That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey everyone, it's Major Garrett, and welcome to our new podcast. Did you know we have a new feed completely separate from the takeout as well? Please just search Debriefing the Briefing. Click subscribe, and then if you can, and we'd really love this, drop us a rating and or a review. Pretty soon, you'll have to be subscribed to the new feed if you want to hear new episodes of Debriefing the Briefing. Thank you, and now let's start the show. We continue to procure millions of swabs. It's a swab. Anybody like to see what it looks like? Should I open it? Does everybody? The Wall Street Journal wrote a fantastic piece. He has vivified the American way in action. Once it was reluctantly aroused. It was hard to get it aroused, and it is hard to get it aroused, but we got it aroused. Why did you yeah. uh, not have social distancing until March 16th? I believe there were no deaths, zero deaths, at the time I closed up the country. And you should say thank you very much for good judgment. Go ahead, please. From CBS Audio, this is Debriefing the Briefing. Here's CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett. Hello from Washington and welcome to Debriefing the Briefing, a summary of the Daily White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing. Two briefings this weekend, the 43rd and 44th of their kind. In addition to those briefings, governors and other experts weighed in over the weekend on where the nation is heading in terms of COVID-19 challenges. President Trump said repeatedly over the weekend U.S. testing capacity for the virus was adequate and implied governors of both parties were failing to use available testing capacity. Though in the April 19th briefing, the president said he was going to use the National Production Act to require an expansion of the production of swabs needed to conduct COVID-19 tests. On this question of testing capacity, we begin with the voice of Maryland Republican Governor Larry Hogan during an appearance on CNN's State of the Union. I talk to governors on both sides of the aisle nearly every single day, but to try to uh, push this uh, off to say that the governors have plenty of testing and they should just get to work on testing, somehow we aren't doing our job is just absolutely false. Uh, Every governor in America has been pushing uh, and fighting and clawing to get more tests, not only from the federal government, but from every private lab in America and from all across the world. Another Republican governor, Mike DeWine of Ohio, praised the administration for assisting with some testing materials and machines, but DeWine, appearing on Meet the Press, asked for a specific action from the Food and Drug Administration. I could probably double, maybe even triple uh, testing in Ohio virtually overnight if the FDA would prioritize uh, companies that are putting a slightly different formula together uh, for the extraction uh, reagent uh, kit. And and that's it's if the FDA would do that, uh, we have a shortage worldwide shortage of some of the materials that go into this. So uh, we really need help. Uh, Anybody in the FDA is watching. uh, This would really (laughs) take our take our capacity up literally, Chuck, overnight. In some states, the problems are simpler and therefore more frustrating. Michigan Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer said an acute shortage of swabs to take 
COVID-19 tests and the reagents necessary to accurately process the results were holding testing capacity back. Whitmer appeared on NBC's Meet the Press. We have the capacity to double or triple the number of tests that we are doing, but we need some of these supplies. The reagents and the swabs are absolutely essential. You can't process all these tests if you can't take the sample and protect it and uh, move forward to, to through testing. And so while our capabilities are there, these important supplies are not. On CBS's Face the Nation, White House Coronavirus Task Force Coordinator Dr. Deborah Burke said the administration is trying to catch up on new projections on the widespread need for testing. The numbers originally said that we only needed 700, <clears throat> 750,000 tests a week. We've long since passed that. The new number coming from Harvard is the half a million a day. What we're trying to do is look at this in a very data-driven, granular, scientific methodologies to predict community by community the testing that is needed. At the same time, working with every laboratory director across the country that have these multiple platforms to really understand and find solutions for them on their issues related to supplies. Also on Face the Nation, former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb said challenges await companies and small businesses when testing does in fact become widespread. Gottlieb said he fears bigger companies will get first in line for testing when smaller companies or those with a majority of blue-collar workers may in fact need them more. I think where the government can play a role is helping to subsidize these activities in the near term so that we can make sure it's available not just to white-collar jobs and offices, but also shop floors and factories where there's actually more risk to employees because they can't naturally social distance or helping small businesses come together and put machines in local communities because they're going to have a hard time doing this. While the future of testing is by all accounts the dominant issue related to reopening the economy, Washington is also trying to reach a deal to replenish the Paycheck Protection Program, a device through the Small Business Administration for banks to provide loans to small businesses to keep them and their employees afloat during stay-at-home orders. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin told reporters at the White House April 19th a breakthrough may come soon. I'm hopeful we'll conclude a bipartisan deal today. It'll go to the Senate tomorrow and the House on Tuesday. And president can sign it on Wednesday and we'll open up the program again. Congress originally provided $350 billion for the loan program. That amount has now been exhausted. The administration is looking for another $300 billion while also just recently acceding to demands from congressional Democrats to allocate more on testing and direct new funds to help hospitals struggling to care for COVID-19 patients or make up for lost revenue due to cancellations of elective surgeries. Late last week and over the weekend, attention also focused on whether COVID-19 came from a specific virology lab in Wuhan, China. President Trump said earlier in the week the matter was under investigation. The question appears now to be whether the virus escaped accidentally and spread more rapidly than the Chinese government disclosed. Mr. Trump said Saturday there might be penalties against China if it, quote, deliberately, unquote, let COVID-19 run rampant. The president also said, though, quote, a mistake is a mistake. On Face the Nation, Dr. Burks addressed the origins of COVID-19. We know it originated in China. We just don't know specifically how and where. I don't have an evidence that it was a laboratory accident. I also don't know precisely where it originated. So until we have the concrete evidence, which we struggled with with other pandemics and other zoonotic events, these are zoonotic events. They come from animals into humans. And so figuring that out will be really critical, as well as figuring out, could it have happened in the lab? Right now, the general consensus is 
animal to human. And all throughout the weekend, the top healthcare advisors to President Trump and the Coronavirus Task Force said numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and intensive care unit requirements linked to COVID-19 were on the decline and considered that a positive sign and numbers that indicate efforts along the lines of mitigation and reducing exposure by adhering to social distancing and living within the guidelines of stay-at-home orders across the country were showing beneficial results. It's worth taking a close look at the numbers as this new week of COVID-19 realities dawns. In the United States, 763,000 cases. Just over 70,000 of those cases, patients recovered fully. 40,521 deaths as of April 18th. And according to the statistics, there are 111,327 known and recorded outcomes. 64% are recoveries, 36% deaths. That's all for this episode of CBS Audio's Debriefing the Briefing. Until next time, I'm Major Garrett in Washington. If you like the takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.